Welcome, everybody, to All About Symbian Insight podcast number 245. It is, I won't give the exact date, but it is 2014, Ray. It is, yes. Um, early in 2014, I could say. I think we've just about kept to our promise of uh, delivering a podcast on the Symbian world about a month after we did the last one. So that's an achievement. But there has been kind of the big, I guess, the big bang has now happened. And it's the sadness, at least on the app front store. Is that right, Steve? Well, yes, we've been warning about people, people about this for the last few months, that the Nokia store uh, has been frozen, so no more updates, no more new applications. This was expected, and this was all part of Nokia's grand plan. I think most of us hoped that uh, the, the actual updating would have gone on for a bit longer, but you can see their point with Microsoft looming about to take over and everything become under, uh, under the Microsoft banner. You can see why, with people leaving white left and center and uh, everything up in the air, the thought of actually carrying on active Symbian development and active Symbian approval in 2014 must have seemed pretty horrendous to the Nokia management. And you can kind of see their point. And, I, and I, I, the good news, I guess I want to point out, is that some of the things we're mentioning in this podcast will hopefully mean that the, the, the freezing of the Nokia store won't have quite as big an impact on many Symbian enthusiasts as might be suspected. Yes, that's right. I mean, we'll get into that in just a moment. But just talking about, you know, why this has happened, uh, I'm not sure you can necessarily tie it directly into the Microsoft happenings. Uh, obviously, people will say, oh, Microsoft ordered this to happen. That's not the case. Nokia is still an independent company, and there's actually quite strict regulations and laws about that kind of thing. Until the merge actually happens, all we, I shouldn't say merge, I should say, until device and services get sold off to Microsoft, which hasn't completed yet, it's still decisions made by Nokia. Indeed, if anything, there's probably, they have to be ultra careful not to run afoul of kind of regulatory authorities and things like that. It, it's kind of been coming for a while, and there's actually been various things shutting down in the background. And ultimately, I think you're right, Steve, it comes down to the fact that there aren't so many Symbian device users out there. I mean, we do talk about there still being tens of millions of devices, and there are, but of course, the numbers actively downloading applications is more than that. And that's very much evident also if you look at some of the download numbers we've shared um, from kind of the App Store, from the Nokia Store, developers have shared some numbers with us. And it's, it definitely has dropped off significantly since the summer, and it it's not kind of that surprising when you think some of the Windows phone devices have been out for a couple of years. Even the 808, it's not quite its first birthday, uh, but we're not that far away from it. And all of that means, of course, that you know there are going to be less devices and, and less activity. So while I, I still feel it was a little bit premature, particularly, as you say, with regard to updates, I, I think you know, if you try and step back from it and look at it, without a hat on i'm using a symbian device then the timing on this probably about right steve yeah just one thing um you mentioned which birthday was that for the 808 again what did you say i, I <laughs> yes i've got that wrong I, as, as i said it and actually the the point is kind of better made if it is uh further back than that of course yeah um, nearing its second well i guess heading up towards its second birthday it's quite astonishing really to think that the nokia 808 which was you know kind of kind of out and out on its own at the very end of the symbian tail it is itself heading for two years old that just shows how far we have actually come in in kind of uh, extending symbian's life but now we're in 2014 and uh, yes everything's slightly things slightly being withdrawn yeah that's right and of course um I think it's probably fair to say the 808 was something of an outlier anyway, in the sense it was a high-end device, uh, more expensive. And uh, while I appreciate that some people will have bought it relatively recently, I think the majority of people will have probably bought it 
sometime in 2012 or certainly yeah. early 2013. And if you go back to the devices before that, they're even longer in the tooth. But you look now at what is the kind of the standard smartphone. It's a, a far cry, really, from some devices like the you know, the 701 or the 700 or some of those latter Bell devices. And not that they're still you know, very capable, uh, but things have moved on. And it, 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 we don't want this uh, podcast to become a continual funeral dirge about how everything's slightly <laughs> dying and, and going away. But at the same point, it, it, I think it's worth being realistic. And one thing that's really important to state is, although the App Store has stopped for updates and new submissions, all the existing content is still there. And so that functionality hasn't been taken away. And as of yet, we haven't really come across many cases of applications that are dead because they need an update to keep on working. And that, yeah. that kind of should turn us to our, our next topic, really, Steve, where um, one of the questions was, would some developers still work on getting updates? Uh, we actually sort of argued or talked about how the fact the number of apps still being updated was relatively small. But uh, those that are being updated, we've actually seen a pretty good number shift across to a model that enables them to continue to update even in the absence of updates to the Nokia store. Yeah, so I want to start perhaps with um, somebody like, I mean, these are just examples. There are, there are many applications which have been addressed through various techniques we'll mention in a moment. But um, Harold Meyer, one of my favorite developers, the guy who's done lots of camera-related applications under his company name TechUnique, T-E-Q-U-N-I-Q-U-E. Um, he, he announced sometime about just over a month ago that all of his applications were basically going independent to the store and back to the start, being back where we were, I guess, five or six years ago, Rafe, where, before the Nokia store appeared, uh, whereby uh, people download the, the self-signed SIS installers from his website and pay him a certain amount by PayPal, and that's the monetization t taken care of, and it really is going old school. But I, I guess before we go into sort of a slightly uh, more hacky territory, we should just acknowledge that that is a very valid option. As long as a, a developer's application doesn't need extensive permissions, then... Um, Issuing self-signed installers and just distributing them via their own servers and taking money by, you know, PayPal or whatever, I mean, Western Union, goodness knows, whatever else, um, it's a perfectly valid way to go, even if it's not as high profile as the Nokia store on the device. It, well, it works. Uh, you know, the partly says it's a horrible user experience, and frankly, compared to <laughs> using an app store, it is. But then you go, well, does that really matter? And, and no, because the sort of people that are interested in these applications, I think, honestly, are going to be the more techie users who are wanting to kind of push the camera technology to the edges yeah. and are, are quite capable of installing these kind of applications. And so it kind of matches where the the Symbian ecosystem in terms of kind of people actively installing apps and things like that ha, has got to. The people who remain have chosen for one reason or another to remain with a Symbian device. And I think a lot of the time it will be about the camera or they just don't particularly want to update. And they're perfectly capable of either being happy with the apps that they've got or installing these themselves. And so um, you know, on the one hand, you go, well, it's not great. But on the other hand, does, does that really matter? And for me, at least, the answer is, is no, it doesn't. And as you say, it's a, a perfect workaround. I mean, it kind of is somewhat amusing to think it's come full circle and gone back to the, the way things were. And I can remember railing against that and talking about how brilliant the Apple had implemented the, the App Store. But at the same time, it, it, it works. So is that good enough? Yeah, I, I, as you say, for for the enthusiasts who are still listening to this podcast and still and still actively trying to use a Symbian um, flagship device as their main primary smartphone, then um, you know, well done because your enthusiasm knows no bounds. Uh, apart from developers going that way, there are other techniques. Um, 
for example, um, Podcatcher and Situations, two much-loved Symbian applications, uh, are both now free, officially free, in the store and, uh, yes, effectively frozen in time. But Podcatcher, um, although an excellent application, hadn't seen an update in well over a year. Um, situations, ditto, ditto. In fact, the version of Situations that's been made free in the Nokia store is actually a, a kind of a cross-port from uh, versions of Situations for other platforms. And they've kind of made a common code base. And as, as part of that um, work, work, they've now made Situations free with a slight UI tweak for Symbian. So a lot of people said they preferred the old version of Situations um, with, a, with the more traditional Symbian UI. So I guess you could uh, take your pick. If you, if you bought Situations or downloaded it back in the day, then that will still work. But... Um, Worth noting, there is a new version in the store at least, and uh, and more and more applications, um, Symbian favorites, are now being made free, um, and, and hope a lot of them were made free before the January the first deadline, which means that they'll be free forever, which is good. Yeah, I think it's uh, worth saying thank you to developers who actually took the time to do that. Uh, there are plenty of others that have effectively been abandoned, but I think for those applications, it, they've probably been abandoned already. And if you were buying them, you were buying them kind of at your own risk and weren't going to be getting yeah. uh, a lot of support. It, you know, it's the natural process of any kind of app store or app shutting down and, you know, abandonware is an interesting topic to talk about which will start becoming more relevant i guess in the the symbian world now you know can you justify you know, having apps out there when they're not supporting you go yes but i you know, with any of these i think the thing that's worth bearing in mind if you're downloading them and installing them for the first time do do bear in mind that you may not get you know support that you have been used to or you might get on another platform where things were a little bit more active um we've kind of been warning about all these things for a, a while now so it feels like we keep repeating ourselves um and i as I, I think it comes back to perfect value to keep using it but you just be aware of all the all of these issues and um i probably haven't got a lot of time for people who are complaining about it because the honest truth is the vast majority of people have now moved on um, to other platforms or at least thinking about doing so and so how much you complain about these it, it, it's open to be i mean it's easy to sort of start raining against nokia for abandoning things but that point does have to come sooner or later yeah yeah just just thinking about what you'd actually need on a symbian device uh 2014 let's assume you weren't trying to mimic you know a top top of the range android phone or an iphone you weren't trying to make it all singing all dancing computer in your pocket you were quite happy with a symbian converged smartphone, converged device doing all the basics of the music and, and the, the basic internet access and the navigation, the camera and all that stuff with the great hardware, the flexibility, two-day battery life, etc. And um, what core applications might you need? And just looking down the short list of mine here, Acutube, the uh, really, really rather good YouTube client, um, is, is, uh, is still listed as £3 frozen in the store, but there is in-app updating now. When that does get updated to match YouTube changes, uh, that that will just be delivered over the air, and at some point he's going to make it um, open source, I believe, and free via his own website. So that's good. So that's that's YouTube taken care of. Um, it's a podcast. We just mentioned Podcatcher. There's um, Tweetian, which has always been free, which is an excellent, excellent Twitter client, and that's constantly being updated. And that can also be um, updated from the developer's website. He's very active uh, in that regard. Um, Google HD is something they got an update in December, which is kind of an uh, an intelligent front end to all the Google HTML5 services. And once you're in that, you've got access to Google Plus and Gmail and Google Maps, etc. as if you're on kind of an iPhone or a modern Android device, but you're doing it all on a Symbian device. And that's really rather nice. You get access to the full um, Google services. And as far as Google's concerned, all those things are 
coming as if they're coming from an I, a modern iPhone or you know an iOS 7 or Android 4.4, etc. So it's really rather clever. So between those four, Rafe, I mean that's those are probably the four big core internet services taken care of forever for Symbian and for free. Uh, that's right. And if that's kind of your focus, that's going to be the the apps that you need. I mean, I'd also say that all of the built-in apps you know, still work fine and actually have an awful lot of functionality. One of the nice things about the Symbian devices was out of the box there was most of the functionality for doing all the core stuff. You know, we, we don't often talk about it, but, you know, phone calls, calendar, email, all that kind of thing, or calculator, all, all those basic bits and pieces all work and they're, they're still there. I mean, it's very easy to get bogged down in it's all about apps and the smartphone and the app economy gets talked about. And of course, that, that is an issue. But as we've said before, if that's really your interest, you've probably already moved on elsewhere because you know, there is much richer pickings available elsewhere. Um, but, you know, you could, you could look through Steve's curated app store and pick out you know, particular applications that are interested you. Know, there are, it might be something like Foursquare or you know, some of the weather applications as well. Um, uh, QWeather is an interesting one. I mean, that actually brings up an interesting topic. There was something actually that upset me more in some ways than the App Store going down, and that was the, the weather widget on Symbian, Steve, which Nokia kind of silently stopped supporting, and so it, it wouldn't update. And it's a widget that I've had on my Symbian device for a, a long time. And in some sense, I think putting support for something like that, and I, I, I imagine it's, you know, the licensing for the weather data was up for renewal and it didn't get renewed and something happened to the server and no one did anything about it, if anyone <laughs> was even aware of it. So I'm not sure it's necessarily a, an evil, deliberate decision, but it stopped working. Um, there is a good replacement, that is QWeather, which of course you can get from the Nokia store. And, you know, I think you described it in your story about this as the kind of the premier home screen weather option, and I'd agree absolutely on that. But uh, it did kind of annoy me that the, the the Nokia version, the free version, which is you know kind of a default widget on a whole bunch of devices, just was disappeared without really much fanfare, and it was a bit tricky finding out what had happened to it. In the end, Steve did trace it down to a, a Nokia discussions post and basically got confirmation that it had officially stopped being supported. But I, I'm sure we're going to see more of that. I mean, the map servers is another issue that I guess, Steve, we might cover in this podcast as well. Yes, yes. So, so just going back to, to the weather, some notice would have been nice <laughs> to, rather than just leave a void on everyone's home screens. But um, I, I guess at this stage in the Symbian, we're, we're not totally surprised when something just pops <laughs> no. off his radar. And I guess yes, the, um, the, the the thing to next look for, I guess, is the the maps server support. Now, obviously, if you if you've got a working Symbian smartphone, you've downloaded your offline maps, you've downloaded your navigation voices, you're all set basically forever, and that's fine. Obviously, maybe not no more maps database updates, but you are set. But what happens if you then have to wipe your phone for some reason? What happens if you have to replace it? You know, it gets damaged and and so forth. Um, then you go on to back into maps and you download maps. And what what happens if they're not there? What happens if you can't get the voices again? So I'm, we're just starting to think about that sort of thing. I did put a post up on the site, and Rafe can link to it in the show notes, on what you might like to do to not only download a whole bunch of offline maps, and I, I grab most of Western Europe, and then just archive them up to your Dropbox, or I see some enterprising people have put them up for download online already, which is probably breaking all sorts of terms and conditions. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but the, it, you can understand why they're doing it, and it's, I doubt that Nokia at this stage and proceedings are actually going to complain. So um, all, uh, the next thing I think I need to write is a little tutorial on how to archive the, the downloaded voices as well. It'd be a real shame to do without a surfer dude for 2014, right? Yeah, it, it would be. And 
I mean, I think this will again be a case of it won't be kind of maliciously shut down, but it will just stop being maintained at some point. Uh, and you're right, you know, download the, the maps that you need and maybe it will be worth archiving the ones for you know the countries that you're likely to travel to. I mean, the thing I would say here, it's kind of tempting to say, look, if this is you know, a big use case for you, if this is something you use a lot, you know, really think about looking at buying a, a Lumia 520, which now in the UK you can have for about 60 quid when it's on special offers. And certainly that's going to be around for a while, you know, a cheap Windows phone device and just use it as a GPS navigation option because that's going to keep on being supported. And it feels a bit cringeworthy saying that on a, a, a Symbian podcast, but honestly, the amount of value you get from that and then being able to access some of the other services and maybe you know even if you want to keep Symbian as your main device have that as kind of the smartphone that can do interesting things I mean, equally well that there are cheap um, android devices as well you could do something similar with although i i would say that in terms of if you're looking for that specific mapping functionality particularly car navigation which is where i think it's going to come in really for people you know, thinking about getting maps and downloading them offline and all of that it, it, it's hard to beat that particular scenario. It, it feels to me that you'll you'll spend less effort doing that than you will sort of archiving all of these maps off somewhere into a Dropbox account or onto a hard disk somewhere. <laughs> it, it sounds kind of awful saying that, but I mean, would you would you be willing to accept that as a solution, Steve? Not as a solution, but I accept that it's a wise way to proceed with a view to the future. And, and I would agree that 520 is now so cheap that it's almost worth keeping, even if you're not that big on Windows Phone, just to keep an eye on where Nokia are going and have all that functionality without really breaking the bank very much. But the, the core philosophy of trying to keep your beloved Symbian device going, <laughs> you, you love every aspect of it and you just want to keep, keep it going to the, the, the very bitter end. And let's face it, you know, we're geeks and enthusiasts. We want to be able to do this sort of thing. It doesn't matter that it's not wise. It doesn't matter that it's not sensible. It's just we want to do it, and I'm just delivering ways to do it. Okay, <laughs> Symbian's just said that you're crazy if you're keeping your Symbian device going as, as long as possible. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, people always want to keep it uh, as, as much as possible, and that's where you know we are going to be. I, I imagine there's going to be a few more tutorials around this sort of thing. Uh, we've you know actually had a few questions coming in about content on, on, on terms of how much we'll be doing stuff. Well, naturally, there is going to be less to talk about. Um, we'll cross post things where relevant uh, I think is the story there and where there's a, a tutorial or a bit of news about something either dropping off or how you can do a workaround or indeed app updates will mention it but uh, in terms of frequency of content that inevitably will drop off and uh, you know I think that's a very natural process if people have got something they want to contribute to the site we're always willing to you know publish stuff from uh, you know guest authors or something like that so you know do get in touch if you've got something you want to share and if you want to have a particular run we will kind of reserve the right to edit it or say yeah this is coming from a third party voice but a lot of the time we're always interested to hear other people's perspectives and opinions yeah yeah I and mean, we just going back to when you mentioned the lumia 520 there as a way of dipping your toe into windows phone nokia's uh, or i suppose not microsoft now <laughs> 2014 new way forward and just to mention that a lot of 808 owners were eyeing up the 1020 and, and there have been various comparisons i've done and it's very evident the two the, the two devices the 808 and the 1020 do have kind of different photographic characteristics but just what's worth noting to uh, a placeholder really that the lumia 1020 is about to get an update called um, nokia black was it lumia black i forgot maybe microsoft black now <laughs> ray either way <laughs> lumia black complete complete set of updates that happen to include dramatic changes to the image processing and in my test so far we've got a, an american at&t lumia 1020 
um, which already has this update. And the images are a lot closer to the 808. There are less artifacts, less noise, um, certainly uh, more accurate colors. So I, I would urge anyone who had rejected the 1020 so far just not to write it off completely because uh, certainly I'm waiting for that on my European 1020. And I fully expect the, the photographs it takes to then get much, much closer to what my 808 was doing in terms of the, a natural look. And I'm really quite excited about that. So I think a good way for 808 owners, Rafe. Yeah, well, the interesting thing here is uh, you know, we've debated the various merits of the approaches to processing. But I think the story here is not so much about um, massive improvements, although personally I agree with you, I do think it's an improvement. I think for 808 owners who were used to, if you like, a minimal processing look or something that could could be described as subdued processing, uh, sometimes you know it wasn't that kind of pizzazz colour that you seem to get from yeah. other smartphone manufacturers. And it was something that Nokia seemed to adopt when it went to Lumia. And actually, in each subsequent update, that, and there has been now multiple of these updates that have tweaked the processing algorithms, it kind of seems to have gone back to nearer the, the 808 approach, which is natural and more colours. And I think that's fantastic because it's actually easier to apply saturation and sort of put it through a photo editor if you want to bring a bit of colour back into things. And so 808 owners are kind of sitting on the fence going, I, I don't quite like it. I think can now once this update is sort of widely available, they'll get something that's very, very similar in terms of the output. And there are plenty of advantages to having the 1020. The, you know, the 808, in terms of just the raw performance, I think will still uh, stand out as kind of the best. But there's one other important update that's in this Lumia Black update, and that's support for uh, raw format or the DNG or the digital negative format. Why is this interesting? Well, if you're one of those photographers who is really interested in the processing, effectively what that does is presents the raw output of your camera and then you can apply your own processing. And so if you don't like the decisions that Nokia has done, you can you know, tweak them as you like. Now, obviously, some things are, are still fixed, like, you know, the ISO levels, for example, um, or, you know, aperture settings, things like that. But a lot of the stuff like white balance and, you know, the color profiles, those can be changed and so it's possible to produce a photo is actually to your own liking now of course in all of that there there is you know, a lot more work required than just leaving the, the camera to do itself but i think people who are willing to do that are, are going to be really interested in this kind of thing uh i mean i think the trade-off that you talked about with this um this raw processing option steve is that you don't get the kind of the benefit of the high resolution image because what it does it will produce the five megapixel image kind of the dual shot mode plus a uh, 41 megapixel or 38 megapixel kind of raw format image but i think for people who are really interested in tweaking every last bit of processing raw is actually quite a big deal and would be a reason maybe to move people off the 808 onto the 1020 yeah, I think that that's fair enough. For real 808 camera enthusiasts, that might be something that is like the last straw that really says, okay, well, I will jump to the 1020 at this point, because for that reason alone. Uh, if you see the All About Windows phone inside podcast for more of my musings on this, but I'm I'm not entirely convinced for 99% of users. But we must stop talking Windows phone right <laughs> We should, yes. to have deviated from Symbian. So back to Symbian, there's one a few more things I wanted to mention. Um, Swipe has been something that was released um, about two or three years ago now for for um a Symbian 3 and uh, in version 1 format. Then there was a version 2 um, which was released in beta and that worked with the Bell Feature Pack 2 devices with a more sophisticated interface. 
um, and recently the, uh, the the certificate failed, I guess, and uh, the, it no longer works. And all of us woke up with the Swipe version two on our Nokia 808s and 701s and 700s, and it just didn't work. Literally, it just stopped working overnight when it hit 2014. So something was obviously hard coded in the app to stop working after that date. Um, the good news is uh, the version one of Swipe still works with devices running Bell Refresh, that's the N8, etc. Um, Bell Feedback 2 devices, you're kind of out of luck, and you have to um, you have to hack your phone if you actually still want to use um, Swipe. Now, there's a, a build of Swipe called Swipe Xeon. As it sounds, it's designed for one of the various custom firmwares, and it works absolutely fine on my Nokia 808 running the Lite custom firmware. So basically, if, if, as long as you've got the install server, the open, whatever it's called, open for all hack in place, that lets you install anything from any source. <laughs> um, you can install this swipe swipe build, and it works absolutely fine to this day. And that means my to wait carry on working. But we should mention at this point, Rafe, that more and more people are now having to resort to using custom firmware um, simply to get around these these limitations. More and more applications are going to be distributed as, for example, unsigned apps. We've seen um, low level low level utilities like a WhatsApp scheduler. I think I wrote on the site today. Um, which is distributed unsigned. And the only way you can get it onto your phone is if you've got this hack in place or custom firmware in place. Um, it really isn't a huge, huge um, task to get your phone onto custom firmware. I would recommend that anyone who's still using the simulator at this stage, anyone who's still enthusiastic, does investigate it. it. It takes maybe half an hour, 40 minutes to get your head around it and to get the software installed the first time. And thereafter, you can update in place to new builds of the custom firmware. And it takes five or ten minutes at most each time and you don't lose your apps and data um, so I've been upgrading to the various versions of Delight for the Nokia 828, C7 and N8 without losing data each time and that's really rather nice um, but it's, it's more and more essential now I would I would suggest Rafe that by the end of 2014 anyone who's still using Symbian uh, will almost 90% of them will be using custom firmware which I guess is good or bad or illegal or, or <laughs> one from three <laughs> well uh, I, I would add the caveat anyone who's sort of actively still installing new apps or things like that will be using or will be in a position where they basically have to use a custom firmware I think there's going to be an awful lot of people out there still using Symbian devices when they're just as phones and it's that that kind of the great mass of people who aren't really aware they've got a Symbian device or only in a very abstract sense um, and actually that's you know when we talk about tens of millions of devices there are a lot of people out there i mean i saw an n70 the other day which rather impressed me um, <laughs> uh, 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 but you know you'll still see the occasional uh, n8 out and about and i've seen a few 808s even here in the uk where it really never went on sale in a big way not not with the networks anyway but the the n8 and some of the other kind of symbian 3 device you know, the 5800 is a, a device you sometimes see as well because that's sold in huge numbers um and the 5230 and those kind of you know sister devices which i think globally sold um in excess of 100 million i think that's right that entire family of devices but yes you're right you know, in terms of those actually using and i suspect that will that will it's impossible to put numbers on these i can only guess it but I, well below a million users um but that's you know not an insignificant pool of people um and if you look at the, the download numbers for some of these delight firmwares or some of the apps that kind of use them i suspect you know tens of thousand maybe even a hundred thousand people so you know, yes if you're if you're using them certainly worth um worth considering Absolutely. And just to mention that um, the Delight um, firmware in particular is carrying on being developed. Um, the C, there's a new version of the C7 coming out very shortly. 
and the N8. Uh, the Nokia 701 was being worked on. I'm not quite sure the status of that, but I know that's in progress. Also, we sent across, like I mentioned on the previous podcast, the um, All About Symbian E7 and X7s for the developers to work on. So hopefully we'll get delight from the E7, which is what I'm particularly looking forward to later in this month. I think that might be rather a special device, really. Yes, it's got the sealed battery, but to have, the, to have a, a slide-out, full, QWERTY, clamshell, effectively, type device in 2014, when every other phone on the planet has gone down the full-screen full touch route, just makes the E7s just slightly unique. And I think with the Delight firmware and with all the restrict, Nokia's restrictions taken off, and with the full compatibility for unsigned apps and extra mods and patches, I think that a Delight E7 is something I'm really looking forward to trying. Oh, well, look forward to hearing about that. I mean, it's interesting, yes, these old devices, I mean, we often sometimes talk about the Symbian 3 and then the sort of the Bell devices. Um, they There was an update on the underlying hardware, but it was actually just an increase in the clock speed. It wasn't, you know, a major new family of processors or anything like that. So even those old devices, with what Delight tends to do, it, it can have an impact on sometimes battery life, but it's more about sort of clearing out... So- you might describe it as fluff and it was often fluff that was specified by operators or that was there for some other reasons that kind of the power users don't want that and that's how they're able to be faster and use less memory and maybe they take out some of the extra languages and things like that um and you know obviously something like the e7 will benefit greatly from that where there were you know a few more restrictions i guess you could say the same about the x7 and the uh kind of the 701 as well so yeah i mean good to see the developers continue to work on that and deserve real plaudits for what it's not you know it's not a straightforward process quite a bit of work is required and i think that that selflessness is really quite impressive yeah there's actually an application shipped on the delight custom firmware but i don't really emphasize enough the developers always complaining at me basically there's an app actually on the firmware called the delight app and that includes all sorts of extra hacks and extra modifications. And you can apply, for example, skins to the conversations via messaging and different different ways of presenting information, which then interact with the operating system at quite a low level. So if, you, if you're using, if you're using Delight uh, CFW, then do look at the Delight app and play with all the different resolvers and mods and patches and stuff. There's, there's a lot to fiddle with. And I, I, apologies if, if I've missed out some of people people's favorite features of the Delight firmware. Also, other firmware, there are, it's not just that, there are, there's the Xeon firmware and there are several others out there, which I haven't actually tried because it's, once you've committed your device to a particular custom firmware, it's nice to be up, able to update in place without losing stuff. And if you then have to flash a different firmware to try it, you end up having to wipe your device completely. And that's, uh, yeah, no, that's Symbian enthusiasts will know, a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, 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 I, I was playing around with their custom firmware the other day and i have to admit the experience of having to reinstall all the apps was a little um sapping on my uh motivation to do that sort of thing in the future and contrasting it with you know, some of the, the the modern smartphones where you can restore from a, a backup and you sort of just leave it to it for a couple of hours and you come back on your phone and all the applications are back and you might have to do some rearranging of things in the start screen a few settings but yeah there's kind of a big contrast there i mean it that's kind of the story of Symbian in a way that you know, it pioneered a lot of the early stuff in smartphones and, and certainly doesn't receive enough credit for it. And yet it's sort of been not left behind exactly, but things have moved on. I think Swiped actually, we talked about earlier, is one of the best examples of this because Nokia was one of the kind of early investors in Swipe and you know, justified this actually happening and then made one of the very early commitments to making it available on their devices uh, swipe at the same time was kind of developing on the side a version for android and that kind of took off under uh, kind of user pressure basically because they were so pleased to get a really good keyboard 
uh, working on their devices. Um, and as a result, a lot of the efforts and resources of Swipe kind of went towards that. And they did actually have a dedicated team working internally within Nokia. I think it was uh, based out of the Farnborough offices in the UK, even possibly. I, I don't know the full details. Um, but that kind of then got shifted to one side as the company's you know, Swipe's attention focused elsewhere. And of course, when uh, Nokia closed down the, the Farnborough offices or rather kind of stopped a lot of the development process and the uh, you know the the product teams working on Symbian devices in those offices you know swipe kind of disappeared and end up falling between the cracks which is why there was some initial problems with certification that then got fixed and then obviously we've had this latest round and it, and it's rather sad in a way because actually um Nokia was responsible for giving swipe one of their big breaks early on and yet it you know that didn't quite last um but I guess that's one of the tales of how uh, you know, operating systems or ecosystems kind of kind of die off and it's particularly acute in the case of uh, a third party because there seems to be that many more contracts involved or you know issues that you have to get around and, and personnel looking after things um you know we were surprised in 2013 how long things lasted in terms of getting little updates for the 808 and other uh, bell and the beach pack three devices and all of that and yet you know i it, it does feel like it's now got to the point where um, it's not just the third-party stuff; it's the mainstream stuff, as typified by by the Nokia weather update that we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, nonetheless, you're right, Steve. The Delight stuff does actually offer an avenue to kind of get these updates. And you're right about the Delight app. I mean, I took a look at it for the first time myself not that long ago, and was kind of impressed by the number of things that you could customize. And it was a kind of quite telling about the potential of Symbian. Some of the really smart design decisions that were made in terms of the fact that you could even do this stuff was a, a result of design decisions made you know, by Symbian developers early on, but they were never really exploited by Nokia or any of the other Symbian partners. And you know, it, part of me sort of said missed opportunities there. You know, Some of the things even that kind of uh, have become things that you do on other devices. And you know, Themes is actually something that seems to have gone away a little bit from the smartphone world you still got the idea of wallpapers and things like that but not to the same extent that we had in the symbian world and, and that's one of the things that i do kind of miss because it was a great way to customize your device and it wasn't just you know the theme level that we uh, are used to on symbian devices it was potentially possible to do it at an even lower level as some of the things we can, you can see in that delight app kind of make quite obvious yeah, I did notice actually in my with my phone show hat on that reviewing, for example, the latest Sony and LG devices running Android, they're starting to reintroduce the idea of themes again. So what what goes around comes around. And I expect <laughs> many of the ideas that Nokia and Symbian and the, and the Symbian partners have have introduced over the last decade that most of them will probably come to fruition and and come back back round again to whether it's to Windows Phone or to Android or to or you know, Yola or whatever. Uh, a lot of these things, the best ideas will will get resurrected because they are good ideas. Um, I suppose, Rafe, we should point out that um, as we wind this podcast to a close, that this is the new year, 2014. We should say that we are going to try and do a podcast, uh, hopefully every month, if not every month and every six weeks or so. There will be something to talk about. There will be new firmwares. There will be some new application updates. There will be um, news of interest, whether it's from where Nokia or Microsoft are going or just other, other things other operating systems, other interfaces that we think will be of interest to people who've uh, been using Symbian for the last few years. That's, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think particularly we'll do some look-ahead stuff, but I think we might also do some retrospective stuff because I think the, the big topic that we may well be talking about on the next podcast is the, that completion of Microsoft's purchase of 
the Nokia devices and services business, and maybe that will afford us an opportunity to sort of, you know, what what comes next? Uh, I think for people kind of dreading that moment, actually, it's probably not all that much to dread now because I'm not sure there's all that much that uh, Nokia is still doing with uh, Symbian devices full stop. We've actually talked about the warranty and the kind of the replacement process that if you're doing that, the chances are now that there's very little in the way of spare parts around. There are still some third-party supplies. I noticed if you go and have a look on places like eBay or parts supplies, you can still find uh, some bits and pieces, but be prepared for the fact that if you break your device or it breaks, that may well be it in terms of getting repaired. You'd have to go and find a, a second-hand device or the very, very small supplies of brand-new devices as well. Um but it, it gives us an opportunity maybe to to look back and do what quite a bit. I'm sure we'll end up doing our, our favourite Symbian devices at some point this year. But yes, we'll also obviously bring you kind of news of kind of relevant things. And I know you had a, a look at a Yola device recently, Steve. Maybe we'll get you to um, talk a little bit about that on the next podcast as a, a possible replacement, uh, as well as there'll be a whole new round of devices being announced at MWC at the end of February. Um, and... There's some interesting stuff coming on camera developments in the next year, and I suspect that might, again, give us an opportunity. We can still proudly say that Simeon was a pioneer in camera phones, and it's pretty pretty telling that it was the 1020 was the thing that got closest to the 808, but arguably didn't quite match it. We may well see a device sometime in the next year that, that does sort of leap ahead of that, but pretty telling that it will have taken two to three years to get to that point so yeah please keep on listening uh, we'll certainly do our best to keep on covering symbian topics but realistically they will be fewer and far between uh, but we'll uh, aim to try and deliver some interesting and some entertaining chat if you've got any topics you'd like us to talk about or some projects for the past that you'd like us to talk about maybe we could do a little bit of, of that as well so any feedback or comments or questions you've got please send them in you can reach me by email at rafe at allaboutsymbian.com uh, steve it's also got his various uh, public profiles out there, be it Twitter. Is there an email address that they should reach you for particular Symbian issues or app updates or comments, Steve? Yes, slitchfield at gmail.com. We'll just tweet me at Steve Litchfield. It's probably just, just as quick these days. And I thank you to the people who have been sending in little messages, just, just notifying me of particular updates and things that happen before they... I guess there is no mainstream for Symbian now, so we're it. So <laughs> notify me. I post an all about Symbian, and that becomes the main news outlet for that news. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I, so Rafe's asked me to prepare a choice of my favourite Symbian device all, of all time. Rafe, that's unfair. It's like asking a father to choose between his children. I... I I'm going to struggle with that one. But, um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would too. I mean, obviously the question goes, well, is it the most recent one? Well, you have to consider it in context. And there are some from the more dim and distant past that I hold very fond memories of. And sure. uh, yes, I think that'll be a good topic for a future podcast. I know we've done it in the past, but it's always uh, worth revisiting. And if anyone would like to um, add in their own thoughts on that, I suspect it's fair to say the X7 won't be on anybody's list, but there are some other devices that uh, evoke fond memories. Yeah. Anyway, but thanks for listening for now. We will try and catch you um, sometime in early February, hopefully. Bye for now. It's bye for me, Steve Litchfield. And goodbye from me, Ray Blanford.